I guess that's it. Wasn't sure how, how much video was there. So good morning. It's good to just look out here and, and see all of your faces. And um, I, I love this church. Yeah, I really do. My wife and I have been here for a little over two years now, and um, I guess going on three, close to really. But it, it's been a wonderful community for us here that we've gotten to know so many of you. And, and I'm excited to be able to, to share from God's Word today. And, and glad that Tim is back. He's been gone for a few weeks, as you know, and uh, traveling the world. Um, but it's, it's good to have him back with us. So, um, question for you. How many of you like change? <laughs> I think I got one. Got one. Okay. Uh, most of you did not raise your hand, which I kind of expected, and um, so I assume that means you don't like change, and, and I think most people would say that, that uh, most people would say, I don't like change, and those people I call liars. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. That's, that's maybe a little harsh, but, but the reality is people like change, um, you know, well, especially women, you're, you're changing your hair all the time, right? The color and the, and the length and the style. Uh, you change your shoes and your clothes. That's, that's changing all the time. I mean, men change our clothes too, so, sometimes. <laughs> we, we won't get into that though. But uh, we change houses and cars and, you know, we go on vacations for a change of scenery. Um, how many of you eat the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day? Now, we, we like change. Uh, we do, but we just want to be in control of the change. Am I right? Am I right, men? You know, <laughs> we like to be able to control our change. Uh, that joke might be a little outdated now since we're we're going to streaming. Um, but uh, but but that's just more change, right? There's changes happening all around us, and whether we like it or not, uh, the seasons are changing. The weather changes. Uh, that's, that's why I like Indiana, you know, if you don't like the weather here, just wait 15 minutes, it will change. But anyone who spent more than a decade on this earth, right, knows that, that we are changing as people, our bodies are changing, and, um, and if you're over 30, you know the, the mind-blowing pace, the, the technology is changing and how that's changed our world. Um, our world is always changing. The oceans rise and empires fall and you know, we, we see each other through it all, but the, the last couple of years have been a testament to that. Um, you know, I don't need to say anything more than, than COVID. Um, but right here in our church, you know, we've, we've lost loved ones. Uh, we've gone through a, a major leadership change, transition here within the last couple of years. Um, and as of next week, we'll have officially launched our West Campus to be an independent church. And that's not been an easy process. Uh, but I do think it's a great thing, and, and I praise God for the kingdom work that he's doing uh, and will do through Westside Community Church. Uh, but the times, they are changing. You know, I think you get my point. The change is an inevitable part of life. Whether you like it or not, change happens. There are reasons why people don't like change, though. You know, it's been said that, that people don't hate change, they just hate the way you try to make them change. I think implied in that statement is control. If we think we are in control of the change, then we're okay with it. But it's when we are not in control that we can struggle with it. Along with that, uh, uncertainty can cause us to reject change. And if we don't know what's changing or why 
it's changing or if it's thrust on us suddenly, and then it throws us into a tizzy. And when things change, they're different, obviously. Uh, but for as much as change is a part of reality, we are also creatures of habit, right? Good or bad, we can find ourselves in these ruts and these patterns uh, as if we're on autopilot. Um, change can jolt us into consciousness, uh, sometimes in uncomfortable ways. And we, we like our comfort, don't we? Change can make us defensive because it makes us feel like, you know, way the way things were before or who we were before must have been wrong in some way. We wonder if we're capable of handling the change, and change can bring with it a lot of work. It can have wide-reaching effects, you know, like ripples on a pond, and change can bring up a lot of resentment. Past hurts that have been hidden deep can come back to haunt us. You know, sometimes change really does hurt. And with all that in mind, uh, let's start to drill down into this week's Core 52 topic of radical change. Um, let me pray first. Father God, we love you and we give you praise. And we know that you are the unchanging God. You are immutable and we can trust in that. That because you are perfect, uh, and you will never change. But we are not yet perfect. And you desire for us to grow and to change and to transform. And so as we look into your word today, I just pray that you will transform our hearts. That we may grow into what you desire for us. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So I think we're in week 42 of 52. Core 52 is the 52 weeks. That's a whole year if you don't know that. Um, but, uh, you know, a few of these weeks have gotten jumbled around, So, but I, I think we're at 50, 42. And so uh, if you look over here on the wall, these are all of the verses, including today, that we have covered over the last 42 weeks. Now, um, you know, that means I think we have, we have 10 weeks left after today, but uh, over the last couple of weeks, we have talked about baptism, the Holy Spirit, the ascension, God's will, and freedom in Christ. So if you've received the gift of God's grace and, and you've repented of your sins and you've been baptized by faith in that completed work of Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father, then you've received the Holy Spirit and you are free indeed. That's the message that we've heard over the last several weeks, right? Rob illustrated this freedom in numerous ways last week. And in fact, he pretty much preached half my sermon <laughs> today. Uh, but that's because these ideas go hand in hand. And they're, they're, don't worry, there's plenty more to say on the matter here. So if you are free, what are you free from? Jesus freed us from the law of sin and death by his own death and resurrection. You no longer have to be enslaved to your sin, and you no longer have to be condemned to death. And if you are free, what are you freed to do? Well, you are freed from death into life, and that is good news indeed. And what do living things do? They grow. They change. They transform. And from an acorn to a towering oak tree, a caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly, a little baby to a grown man. These are the processes that we know and accept, and they are natural processes, but the cycle of all living natural things is death. We who are in Christ, oh, I guess I forgot to put that on.
Sorry about that. <laughs> we who are in Christ have entered into supernatural life and eternal life. Once we have been called and converted from death into life in Christ, we are a new creation. Our baptism was a symbol of that new birth. But we are, re we are reborn as infants, not yet fully formed. Just as a natural baby must crawl before it walks, and must drink milk before it eats solid meat, so too must the spiritual babe in Christ. A baby is self-centered, insisting on its own wants and desires. It cries for its every whim, not fully aware of its own self, often impatient and immature. Sometimes we are like this in our spiritual infancy as well. And there are tolerances for that. You know, we understand it's a part of the process. But an infant is a receiver, not a giver. But if a man has passed well beyond his years of infancy and is still crawling about and babbling nonsense, only drinking milk and not eating solid food, we would agree that something is not right. That's not natural. So too for the believer. If a person has been converted to Christ but has persisted far too long in spiritual infancy, there is a problem. Addressing people in the church at Corinth, Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Paul calls them worldly, and that is clearly not what we want to be. It is what we once were, but we are no longer meant to be. We must be changed. And what a radical transformation that must be. For we've already discussed how hard change can be and how resistant to change so many of us are. So what is our process of transformation? How do we grow from our infancy? And what is our ultimate form? Our core, our core verse this week comes out of Romans 12. We've been circling this verse for a couple weeks now. Uh, and if you would, I would, would ask you to stand and read this verse with me. So Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Thank you. You can be seated. So we see here, uh, just as Paul told the Corinthians, the world is not something we want to be a part of. As new beings in Christ, we still live in the world, but we are no longer of the world. 1 John 1.19 says, The whole world is under the control of the evil one. That is Satan. Do we want to conform to the ways of evil, or do we want to be transformed into the ways of Christ? That is our ultimate form, that we would be like Christ in every way. And what is Christ? He is holy. He is good. He is truth. He is grace. He is obedient. He is peace-loving. He is patient. He is kind. He is love. He is faithful, he is gentle, he is joyful, 
He is wisdom. He is a servant. He is humble. He is prayerful. He is hope. That's just the short list. And we might think, yeah, I want to be those things, but it's, it's too hard. How could I ever be like Jesus? I mean, I try, but I fall short. I want to, but I also have these desires that rage within me, and the world around me is so strong, like a rushing current trying to sweep me away. And the enemy is always prowling around. I want to change, but I don't think I can and you are right. On your own, you cannot do this. But by God's grace and the power of his word and the help of the Holy Spirit, you will. Sometimes the struggle is we try to make these changes on our own. We think this is about behavior modification, but it's really about heart transformation. Have you ever gone to a basket of fruit to pick up an apple only to realize that it's plastic? If we try to change ourselves, we're like this. Fake, hard, hollow, empty, without substance or anything that satisfies. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 along with this. It says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. If we have believed in Jesus and confessed that he is Lord, then we are a new creation. And we have been given a new heart and a new spirit that are capable of growing. They are the heart and the spirit of Christ. And if we remain in him, then we will bear much fruit. Real, true, and lasting fruit. And for much of my life, I was producing a lot of plastic fruit. But when I finally realized who I was in Christ and by his power started obeying his ways, I began to be transformed by his word and by his spirit. When we try to change our behaviors, and we'll see the Bible read, we'll see Bible reading as something we're supposed to do and it can feel like a chore. But when we're allowing our hearts to be transformed, then we see the word of God as nourishment for our souls. And that's exactly what it is. You know, science says that we need at least four basic elements to survive. Water, air, food, and light. Well, Jesus says, he is the living water. He is the bread of life. He is the life. And he is the light of the world. The richness of those truths right there is a, a series of sermons for another day. But uh, my point is, we have all that we need in Christ to grow into the fullness of Christ. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. He has given us his word, and we renew our minds by filling them with the truth of his word. If you believe that to be true, then live as if it is true. Jesus told the religious leaders of his day that they lacked power because they did not understand the scriptures. If we fail to grasp the truth of God's word and be obedient to it, then we will lack the power to be transformed. A couple of years ago, a guy named Nick uh, reached out to me. 
And we're, we're good friends now, but at the time I hadn't seen or heard from him really since college. Uh, and so as we were talking, um, he said, you know, he, he knew, uh, well, he knew that I was involved with ministry. That's why he reached out to me. Um, but he was looking for help. And he saw that his wife was getting more engaged in church. Uh, and he knew he needed to step up. But he didn't know exactly what to do. So uh, I provided him some pathways to be discipled. And he started to grow. It's been a real joy uh, to watch him continue to grow and to flourish in his faith in Christ. And to see how that's changed and transformed uh, not only himself, but his family. And reflecting on his journey, Nick said this. He said, everything I was missing was all there in the Bible. That was the piece I was missing. It was sitting right there on the shelf in the living room the whole time. But I took it for granted. So the ministry I serve in, it was started by a guy named Patrick Morley. And he says this. No real transformation happens apart from the word of God. I believe that to be true because I've experienced it every day in my own life. And I see it play out in the lives of others. The Core 52 essay for this week says, If the word of God isn't in you, the world around you will permeate you. So for 42 weeks now, we've delved into a core verse um, of the Bible each week. And 42, 42 of these truths from God's word that are hanging over here right now on the wall. But it's not enough that we write them on the walls of our building here. We want to write them on the tablets of our hearts. Here's another Morley quote. He says, A Bible, a small group, and serving someone else will solve 90% of your problems. Now, these are elements of transformation that are captured in a short and sweet sentence. You know, most of the time when someone is struggling in their faith journey and feeling as if they're not growing, one or more of these elements is missing. We've discussed the need for the word of God in order to renew our minds. But we also need the body of Christ. That's other believers. In Ephesians 4, we read that Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So I want to take a, a moment and pause on that and, and reflect on that verse. I just wonder, can, can we make that our declaration? That, that we, as the body of Christ, would desire to become mature and attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We may think that this process of transformation is something that happens individually. And there's an element of it that is. But we are growing into something that is much greater than any one of us. We are all one body, though many different parts. We all belong to each other. And Christ is our head. That's the church. The church is the body of Christ. You know, a couple weeks ago when I... Um, was closing us out in prayer. I said that the uh, I mentioned the palace beautiful in this book, uh, the Pilgrim's Progress. That's that's what we are to be, not the buildings or the individual gatherings of believers, but we as believers ourselves. And how can we be transformed into the fullness of Christ if we are cut off from the body? 
in the unity of the body, we bring a fullness of worship to our God. We grow in our knowledge of grace and grace of God. We bring others into the body by sharing the good news about Christ. And in our fellowship, we find respite and encouragement, refreshment for our souls, and spiritual conversation that uplifts us. Just this morning, I was blessed by John Flynn, right at the back here. Um, uh, we, he was just sharing some of what God's doing in his life and then through his ministry in, in a very humble way, but, uh, and he lifted me up in prayer. And that's what I want when I come to church. You know, we can talk about the weather, we can talk about sports, but I want to talk about what is God doing in your life? I want to be uplifted by that. Uh, some of our women of Sherwood Oaks here are doing a, a, a study right now through the book of Numbers. And, and if you've ever read, read the book of Numbers, you may be thinking, why in the world would you want to study the book of Numbers? But <laughs> there's so much good stuff in there. It really is. Uh, and one thing that just stood out to me is that as he's numbering all these people, they were all important to him, but they all had a job too. They all had a role to play in the nation. And, and God made them dependent on one another to accomplish the works that he had for them. This is why regular church attendance is so important and why God commands us not to give up meeting. We also have a need for smaller gatherings of believers. You know, we often call these small groups or, or life groups. And in Acts 2.46, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts as well. You know, I believe having a small group to meet with regularly provides transformation through the authenticity and the personal accountability of close relationships. When you encounter one another in the routines of your days, it provides more opportunities for iron to sharpen iron. It's easier to put on the masks of performance in the large gathering. But the more intimately you get to know someone, the harder it is to hide those areas of your life that are not yet fully surrendered to Jesus. Together, we can live out and apply the scriptures every day. This was the other thing that my buddy Nick said was missing in his life. He said, we knew the church from, from what we knew of going on Sunday, but we evolved that into a daily part of our life and a commonality that we have in Christ. This change in his mindset brought out fruit in his life and his marriage that he never had before. If our only encounter with God's word and God's people is on Sundays, then we are at best spiritually weak and powerless and ineffectual. Finally, transformation happens through service to others. If we are being transformed into people who love God with all their heart and mind and soul and strength and who love others as themselves, then we need opportunities to show that love. There is no greater way to do this than by serving the widow, and the orphan, the poor, the disenfranchised. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve. If we are to be like Christ, then we must become servants, and not out of obligation, but rather with glad and sincere hearts of love. This radical transformation that only comes through Christ is the process of discipleship. When we say here at Sherwood Oaks that we are people helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers, this is what we mean. When we say to our men of Sherwood Oaks, that we are deeply rooted in Christ and stronger together, this is what we mean. 
Our vision for the future of Sherwood Oaks is that we would unleash the church with the love of Jesus to make an eternal difference in the lives of at-risk people. We cannot do this if we ourselves remain spiritual infants who are immature and weak and powerless. We must grow into the fullness of Christ. A mature disciple is someone who has been called to live in Christ, equipped to live like Christ, and sent to live for Christ. Where are you on your spiritual journey? What is the Spirit speaking to you today? If you have not yet received Jesus, and you've not yet received the grace of Christ, if your heart has not been transformed, regenerated, made new through your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, then there's no better time than today. Is he calling you out of that old life of sin and death with your stony heart and rebellious spirit? Is he calling you to new life in him? God loves you. Receive his love today. Maybe you've been called into new life, but you are still struggling with sin or trying to figure out how to walk in the spirit. Maybe you feel like you're lacking and you need more equipping as a Christian. You know there are things that need to change and the spirit is convicting you. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged that God loves you enough to discipline you, to transform you, to change you. He loves you too much to leave you as you are. Renew your mind with his word. Engage in life with other believers. And live out God's love through service to others. Are you sitting here today and you've been called? You've been equipped to one measure or another. But you feel like you're not growing in your faith. Or maybe you feel like you've done all you need to do in the, on the religious front and you're just kind of waiting out your days. Well, let me tell you something. If you are still here, you still have a purpose. God made all of life to reproduce. And if you're a disciple who is not making other disciples, then are you really a disciple? There is no greater joy than helping someone else know and grow in the Lord. Maybe that's what you've been missing in your faith journey. When Jesus asked Peter if he loved him and Peter said yes, Jesus told him to feed his sheep. So go and find the sheep that need fed and tend to the Lord's flock. Let us not be people who fear change or resist change or grumble and complain about change, but may we be people who embrace the change that Christ brings in our lives. There's no shortcut to this transformation. There will be pain and hardship of that we are promised. But the end result is something far more glorious than we could ever hope to become on our own and worth every bit of the sacrifice it requires. If the Spirit has moved you in some way today, whether you've entered into new life in Christ or committed to grow in some way, don't leave here without sharing that with someone else. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.